0: So the boys are my crew, and instead of lessons, they go out on missions. Um, I may do things like, uh, okay, we need to grow food to um, feed 49,000 people. How are you going to do that? Or the ships are leaking too much heat out into the cold dark depths of space. We need to insulate them better. Or um, you know we've got a gas leak. What type of gas is leaking? We need to fix that. Or we've got a strange planet on sensors. Let's go see if it's habitable. So um, already you can see how I'm probably um, changing the way I'm phrasing everything to match those sort of game languages and things. Um, But if you hear what I said there, all of that is in the New Zealand curriculum level four for year nine.
1: You're listening to the Augmented Learning Podcast and Video Log. Stories from inspiring educators, leaders, and influencers who are challenging the status quo. Today's episode is sponsored by My Study Series, an online learning platform supporting Kiwi teachers and students through NCEA. With automated self grading quizzes after every video, My Study Series ensures students receive immediate feedback on their level of understanding. Check it out now at mystudyseries.co.nz. Kia ora everyone and welcome to episode 51 of the Augmented Learning Podcast and Video Log where you're able to grow, learn and develop by accessing high quality PLD when you need it most. I'm your host Carl Condoleff and today we're talking to Charlie Lloyd from St. Patrick's College Silverstream. If you're a regular listener, you're no doubt aware of my former obsession with video games and gamification. This stemmed from time spent gaming as a young teacher where i will get flown around the world playing FIFA competitively for, for up to tens of thousands of dollars, which is really small time compared to what the youngins are playing for these days. This fascination led me down a path of exploring gamification and education, a passion that has again earned me lots of fun to travel and speak about how we can motivate and engage our learners through the use of game mechanics in the classroom. Today's guest makes what I do look like small-time gamification. Charlie is a science teacher who is gamifying his classes at another level. Through the use of powerful narrative, his students are exploring scenarios and solving problems in a way that simply couldn't be done in a traditional classroom. His commitment to the causes is really a sight to behold, and the stories he shares with us today will really challenge your perception of what a learning environment can look like. Before we get to the episode, if anything that we discussed today strikes a chord with you, please check out our free introduction to gamification course. This is available on our website under Courses and I'll also link to it in the show notes. In addition to this, we mentioned a book called Actionable Gamification by Yukai Chow. I promised I would give a copy of this book away, but I'm actually I'm gonna make you work for it. If you want to go into the draw for this book, what you have to do is leave a review of the podcast on iTunes. Take a screenshot and then send that screenshot of the review through to me at Carl at Easy as that. Charlie, welcome to the podcast.
0: Absolute pleasure to be here, Carl. Thank you for having me.
1: Before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about your teaching background and experience and a few tidbits about your school and the students you teach?
0: Yeah, look, I've um, I'm only been a, I'm relatively new, I've only been a teacher for five years. Um, so sort of science um, is, is my main background, a bit of RE as well. And I teach at uh, St. Patrick's College Silverstream um, in Up Hutt, and it's an all boys Catholic school. And I teach all year levels, um, and I also am the STEM teacher, as well as the Earth and Space Science um, teacher as well.
1: Tell us about the uh, the STEM teaching and, and what that involves because it's, I mean, I'm from a more traditional school and we tend not to hear that used much. What's that all about?
0: Yeah, we, um so as a sort of, um, we have option subjects for our juniors and we saw this as an opportunity to um, sort of merge curriculums, I guess, and see um, see how we could sort of incorporate stuff through context-based learning, inquiry-driven projects and that sort of, um style of learning so it's sort of a half year option where i mean for example in year 10 our topic is mission to mars so um they have to build a rocket that launches an egg and they land it and we look at the maths behind that the technology the engineering all that sort of stuff and then they have to survive on a hostile planet for the second term so three big projects uh, that they have to complete that. So it's all hands-on um, and, yeah, just sort of incorporates lots of different aspects of um, their learning and they can bring in stuff from other subjects and actually see it linking together.
1: I love that. I mean, that's, that's, that's real learning. That's taking a problem and using everything that you have and all the connections that you have to solve it. And that's just, you know, I get so frustrated about, you know, a traditional approach to learning and, and how we bundle kids into four walls and we say this is what you should be learning and you're going to go and learn it and it' just frustrates me so much and even though I'm in a traditional school um, that I enjoy you know you hear about all these other amazing things that schools are doing and you just get so um, you get a bit of fomo I think so that's really awesome to, to hear you doing that stuff. Have you had how, how have the kids um, responded are they are they engaged with the process?
0: Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, they love it. Uh, the sort of we, we don't offer, I guess, a STEM in year eleven, and we haven't quite worked out how to merge NCA type into that sort of uh, style of learning yet. But um, yeah, they're constantly saying, "Sir, you know, is there is a STEM at year eleven? And can we do it again? And all this sort of stuff." So I think they they love the. I mean, I, I do teach boys, so they love the hands-on aspect of it, and as you say, it's that linking of uh, sort of linking everything together that really. I guess builds that bigger picture for them, and actually they see the point in certain maths that you know you always hear, sir. When am I ever going to use this? And then they yeah. finally realise trigonometry is used to work out the height their rocket just launched. So yeah, they love it. They love it. Nice.
1: So we we're here to really talk about gamification, which is something that is is a big part of my teaching and a lot of the stuff I do. So can you give us your take on gamification, what it is, uh, why you use it, and, and how, I guess how it's improving outcomes for your students?
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a massive question. <laughs> um, I guess I'll start with the, with the why for me. Um, I guess I got quite frustrated sort of three years into my teaching with myself. Um, you know, I started, you know, listening to students say they're bored, disconnected with what they were learning, couldn't see the point in it. Um, you know, you hear sort of the negative talk in, in the sort of staff room about, you know, no work ethic, no discipline, no resilience, all these sort of things that underlie why our students, you know, don't engage with school. And I thought, mm, there's got to be something else here. Is it because of what we're doing isn't working? Is it is it this generation that we're working with? Um, so I started to explore how could I make learning a bit more fun, a bit more engaging. Um, and I, I discovered this guy called Scott Hebert, and I might bring his name up quite a bit throughout this uh, this little talk here. Um, and he uh, completely changed my outlook on how you can educate um, through your subject area or whatever it is. Um, but I guess I'll talk a little bit about gamification in terms of, I think it's it's one of those buzzwords that can have negative connotations. And that's because they think, oh, they're just incorporating video games into their classroom or, um, you know, they just play games all the time. I think for me, gamification is um, quite a bit deeper than that. And what I mean by that is um, there's a guy called Yukai Chow who wrote a book. He studied the video game industry and what has made it one of the fastest growing um, industries in our world today. And he realized and unlocked, I guess, the core drivers, he calls them. There's eight of them um, that underlie the psychology behind motivation and what motivates someone to sit in front of a screen for hours on end with no real purpose other than to enjoy it. And um, I discovered Scott Hebert and he's taken those eight core drivers, those, you know, core things to motivation, and he's put them into his science classroom. And um, I thought, oh, this is, this is amazing because he's essentially converted a stereotypical, and, I mean, he's in Canada, so I think they've got quite a rigid curriculum, Um You know, he's gone completely away from that science, you know, stereotypical traditional classroom to a medieval fantasy world in which his class explores everything that they need to know um, on an adventure. I thought that's pretty impressive and quite out there. Can I do it? So (laughs) I dove in headfirst at the start of this year, um, and I completely changed um, our junior program um, that we've got here at St. Pat's. And made it into this game that was built from the bottom up using motivation as my primary goal rather than outcomes, rather than curriculum, rather than what the students need to know. Um, How can I motivate them? And what I've found is that because I started with what motivates you um, or what motivates them, that everything else is starting to fall into place. So, you know, now I have a classroom where kids come to me and ask for more work. Um, you know there's now autonomy in what they do because they can go and learn anything they want to within the program in the game I guess Um, they manage themselves Uh, they've actually created their own behavioral management system within the classroom which was quite insane Um, they're now thinking off the wall in terms of how to complete tasks it's not just a you know worksheet or whatever they're thinking of different ways they can do things and I'm starting to see um, an increase in them retaining some of that, that content for a, a much longer period of time than I would have seen um, teaching them in a traditional way. So for me, I guess, summing it all up, um, why I did it was I was getting frustrated with um, you know the way, I guess, a lot of classrooms or a lot of teachers will relate to me saying that their kids were bored, they weren't engaged. And gamification for me is using the power of those motivators that get people to use, uh, play games and putting them into my classroom.
1: There's a few things you mentioned there that I find really frustrating and and the first thing you mentioned was this uh, other staff members talking about um, other students that are disengaged or unengaged or not working well for them and I attended some this is a, this is a little bit of a tangent but I'm going to go with it. I, I, was, I had some PLD a couple of weeks ago um, where we had Alice Patrick come into our school and talk about um, māori success of tikanga and a whole lot of different things but one one thing that resonated with our department was this whole idea of stamping on on a student's mana and and behind closed doors calling out kids and and saying that they've they they can not do this or they can't do that and i know that's not what was happening there in your situation but it just reminded me of that and i think we have to be really really careful about um how the picture we paint of some of our students and you immediately start down that deficit approach of with your students that you you make all these assumptions around what they can or can't do and it's just really sad so that's a little bit of a tangent but some of the other things that you you mentioned as well is that whole misrepresentation of gamification or not knowing what it is or hearing the word game and thinking oh video games and we can't have that in our class and I think what people fail to understand, and I talk about this a lot, is that games, first of all, games engage our kids like nobody else, and straight away there's there's lessons to take there. But second of all, we we, we talk about how bad games are, but when you break it down and you look at what our kids are playing and the skills that they're executing on a day-to-day basis um, with their, their teamwork, their communication, their interpersonal skills, the problem-solving, They are doing this at a level that is well beyond anything that we think they might be able to do. Um, And and you mentioned the stuff in there, what your kids are seeing as a byproduct of you implementing gamification. They're getting autonomy. They're getting that mastery learning. There's aspects of Tuakana Taina in there where they're able to support one another. I think it's just fascinating what you're doing. And um, I'm really, really excited to hear more about uh, the things you're doing when we go through this, this episode.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, you just bought bought this image of one of one of the students that I, I taught a while back, and I used to turn up and fall asleep in my class all the time. And, you know, that automatic response is, you know, oh, why, why didn't you get enough sleep? Sleep's really important, all this sort of stuff. And it turns out he was up all night gaming. And, you know, we talk about no work ethic, but some of these kids go out of their way to wake up at, you know, midnight and behind their parents' backs or whatever and play till 3 o'clock in the morning um, just to level up or just to get this piece of um, gear and whatever. So it shows us these boys or these our students can do um, can do have a worth work ethic. they do have discipline they will go out of their way to go the extra mile and I think we just have to unlock how we can get them motivated to do that in class as you say. and um, I think yeah. this is we're on to a winner with with this so
1: nice. So I've seen uh, I've seen a couple of videos of this. Uh, and I, I couldn't believe it when when Matt Lambert told me told me you do this. I um I I was quite blown away, and I, I had to hunt out the video and I found it. But can you explain what the Exodus is? Um, describe it to our listeners and and how that um, functions in your classroom.
0: Yeah, so uh, so the Exodus is the the name I've given. I guess my game. Um, for want of a better word. Um, uh, it's. Based on uh, the newer Battlestar Galactica TV series, so um, and there's actually an episode in there called the Exodus. And we're a Catholic school, so I thought I've got to get something biblical in there as well. <laughs> um, so it's called uh, it's called the Exodus. And um, I guess one of the most important things I believe, anyway, in in, in trying to get um, these eight core drivers in, is to develop a narrative or a theme. And I guess that links to what I did with my STEM classes about the contextual based learning putting the learning into something. And I've sort of explained it like this, I've made learning more real by putting it in an unreal context. And what I mean by that is, um, my class are part of um, a fleet of the remains of humanity. There's been a big attack on our home colonies and we've um, we've been wiped out to the last uh, 50,000 or so people. And our job is to find a new home. And in our sort of uh, the history or lore of the, uh, of the game, There's this remote planet called Earth that had one of the fabled um, 13th colony, which um, no one knows where they went after the colonies were founded. And we've got to hunt and find Earth whilst being chased by um, the Cylons, which are uh, artificial intelligence that we created. So we're sort of being hunted by our own creation. So if you've seen the TV series, you'll you'll know what I'm talking about. But if not, that's the gist of it. So, um, yeah, so the boys... Arrived at my first class, and um, if you go and watch the video, you'll see I've I've got a um, replica uniform that my mother-in-law made for me um, over the summer last year, and uh, it, they think, "What the hell? Who's this guy? He's not a teacher." Um, so a guy in uniform turns up, and and I'm the commander in the game, and um, yeah, as I said before, it's a whole junior program but rebuilt and themed through this um, this sort of Battlestar Galactica. Um, theme. So the boys are my crew. And instead of lessons, they go out on missions. Um, I them do things like, uh, okay, we need to grow food to um, feed 49,000 people. How are you going to do that? Or the ships are leaking too much heat out into the cold depths of space. We need to insulate them better. Or um, you know we've got a gas leak. What type of gas is leaking? We need to fix that. Or we've got a strange planet on sensors. Let's go see if it's habitable. So um, already you can see how I'm probably um, changing the way I'm phrasing everything to match those sort of game languages and things. Um, but what, if you hear what I said there, all of that is in the New Zealand curriculum level four for year nine, um, you know, gas testing and insulation and all those sort of things. So, yeah, the Exodus is, is I guess, the game that I've created um, to teach the level four of the curriculum um, here at St. Pat's.
1: That's, that's amazing. I, I love it. And I, I just, it seems so, I know it's not, but it seems so simple to implement something like that and just build powerful narrative. Um, and I, do you wear the jacket for every lesson? Do you wear the uniform for every uh, lesson?
0: So I've created um, two characters. So there's the commander who I wear the, the uniform um, for, and then we, we have 90-minute uh, periods here at uh, St. Pat's, so usually I'll wear the uniform for those when it's a bit more. I'll talk about some of the other mechanics, I guess, later. Um, but the, um, in the 45, because uh, it's just a bit intense to get changed from wearing regular um, shirt and tie, so Dr. Lloyd turns up. And he's uh, the head scientist on the ship. So <laughs> the boys think I've got, uh, well, the, we play the game of I've got a twin brother who's the commander and uh, they try and catch me out and say, "Ah, oh, commander, and I'll, I'll deliberately ignore them if I'm wearing civvies and <laughs> if I'm wearing the uniform, vice versa. So even outside the classroom, the sort of narrative continues. So it's quite funny.
1: Nice. When When I think about implementing gamification within a classroom, like there's starting out and then there's what you're doing which my kids would describe my students would describe what you're doing as going full hundies which is which which it is and it's 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 very um specific and it's very uh i'm trying to think of the best way to describe it but very authentic in terms of that um like a rich gaming environment I'm keen to hear how that's been received within your community because I can imagine there there could be a, a bit of reluctance or, or pushback, even from other teachers in in your department or the school or parents. Like, have have you experienced any any reluctance?
0: Um, I, I, I guess I've, I've <laughs> it's sort of it's a, definitely a spectrum there. I think a few of my uh, my colleagues definitely think I'm a nutcase, um, but uh, I think it's more. I'm the type of person that I don't mind putting myself out there. And, um, you know, I'll, we have ranks in the morning. So if people don't know what that is, the whole school lines up at the beginning of the day. Rector gives a, um, a little uh, pep talk to the whole school and we have a prayer. So sometimes I turn up to that in the uniform just because it's quicker to go straight to class from there. And so even the other students are seeing me do this. And I guess um, for the for the kids, it's not, not so much... Um, out of the normal, because I guess they, they're you know, fully in, um, engrossed in that sort of thing online and YouTube and all that sort of stuff. But for my colleagues, when I did some PD sessions earlier this year, I guess the biggest thing that they probably look at me and go, where do you find the time to do all this? Um, because I guess for us um, teachers, we know our time is, is, there isn't enough of it. There's not, not enough hours in the day to do everything that we want to do. Um, and I tell them, you know, they're seeing the finished product, but this is a whole year last year of me trying to unpack and work this stuff out, um, and trying tidbits in my classes and all that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, I guess it would be good if I could somehow show them what it started like and the little bits I did that built to this monster that it is now. Um, you know, cause they, I it definitely would put some teachers off, um, seeing what I do going, how, how do you do that? um but I do have a couple of staff members now that are coming to me asking you know how do they start incorporating it into their class so for me that's a win if it was just one teacher um that wanted to come and help do this but I mean I've I've got two or three that are seriously considering uh, implementing parts of what I do into their programs which is just amazing because the results and the boys um love it so
1: I know you you said you started doing bit by bit, but I I don't think you answered that question on how, where do you find the time to do all of this? (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's a huge amount of work you're putting up.
0: Yeah, I guess. um, So I probably, I mean, you mentioned Matt Lambert before. So we work together, not at at school. We work together in the boarding house. So I, I'm a boarding master here at St. Pat's as well. So teach here by day um, in the boarding house at night. So I guess I have the, privilege of being paid to look after the boys and they have an hour and a half of study every night which I can um utilize a bit more time there I can really you know put my head down and get stuff done um I do give up quite a bit of my own time my wife uh, my wife will be happy I said that because uh, <laughs> she's had to rein me in a few times um but she's been really supportive as well so I guess she sees the benefit of what I'm doing and I get the feedback I'm getting and the um, what the boys say to me is, is worth it in the long run. And I guess still being quite young, I'm developing resources anyway. So I think if we all remember back to the days when we started teaching, um, you know, you worked your ass off anyway to get all your resources together and sorted. So now I'm just doing it for um, gamification wise. So I guess, yeah, it sort of swings and roundabouts, but yeah, I probably put way too much of my own time into it than I should.
1: <laughs> that's, that's good, though. I mean, that's well, that's the – you mentioned that we're teachers. Uh, in, a, in a sense, you said we're time poor, which I, I used to think. I used to think that. I don't think it anymore. I, I think we focus on the wrong things. But mm. the, the, this, the good thing, the amazing thing about our job is that we have – We have our holidays. We have non-contacts. We do have time and you can use that time however you want, whether it's family, whether it's, um, you know, picking up a second job or just taking your downtime. But I like hearing stories about people who are actually utilizing that time in a really beneficial way. And I think that's what you're doing. And it is hard work and it is challenging, um, but you're making it work. And um, it's good to hear that you are making a difference because it sounds like you are. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you. You've talked about, you've mentioned Actionable Gamification by Yukai Chow. And, and I read that book. And when I read that book, it really just, what I loved about that book is he provides real world, he describes game mechanics through real world examples. And when I saw those real world examples, something just clicked for me. And that led me down the path that I followed in terms of gamification and a lot of the presenting I do about that. But he, you've mentioned also the, the core drives that he speaks about. And part of that are those white hat core drives, which uh, are really important as opposed to the, the black hat core drives. How do, you, how do you make sure that the work that you do around gamification in the classroom is emphasising those white hat as opposed to the core hat drives?
0: Yeah, um, it, it's, before we go into that, just if you... Think about gamification, or you haven't read this book yet. Go read it. Um, even if you have no real understanding of games, it's it's just a fantastic resource for you know real world companies and businesses that are incorporating elements of gamification. And as you said, you, you hear these and you go, it, "It makes so much sense. Why are we not doing this in in education?" Um, but yeah, I'll tell
1: you what. I'll I'll, inter- I'll interrupt you for a second, and I'll say that um, I'll create a competition based on this podcast episode and I'll give away a Kindle version of actionable gamification to somebody. Oh, there you go. So we can, we, can, we can win the book now.
0: Wicked. That's awesome. Beautiful. Um, yeah, so I guess the, so the White Hat, I guess when I built the game, um, I primarily built the, um, those core cool drivers were at the forefront. So um, for those that don't know what the core cool drivers are, um, there's eight of them and you can sort of split them roughly um, down the middle And there's ones that are really positive um, and those that are, you know, uh, companies, that you know, gambling companies and stuff, they use the black hat, which sort of speak to those um, addiction type um, motivators and, you know, are the ones that are always in the media and that sort of thing. So I guess um, right from the start, you know, the whole point of the narrative was to create this epic meaning and calling, which was one of the core drives where the boys have a mission. We're, We're trying to save humanity. And the reason I picked this theme as well was because of all the talk around our planet and, and you know, sustainability and something we're really passionate about here in New Zealand, um, you know, being stewards of this earth, we, I thought that's quite a clever way to um, get the boys to really think about, you know, what would happen if we were reduced down to a tiny population and we're actually trying to find paradise, this new planet. What would it be like when we got here? So you know that was that's a really positive sort of motivator for them. Um, And then obviously, um, I guess the one thing you always hear with gamification is these points, badges, and leaderboards. Um, But the motivator behind why you should incorporate those and not just slap them onto any program is that um, they create the sense of accomplishment and a little bit of competition, which is always healthy. And so the whole point of when you complete work in in my game you get experience points and all those sort of things so I really hammered that in to the to the sort of the game um every piece of work got you something um and I really wanted to empower them to think off their feet to to try different things so the whole empowerment um of creativity and the feedback I would give them I've, I've built an app for the game um so that I can give them as instant feedback as possible with marking and and the XP. Um, So I really focused my initial um, design on the positiveness of of white hat motivators. Um, But there is a a place if you're careful and you control how you incorporate the black hat um, motivators. So I've got two little examples here. Um, The first is that I have items in the game, so one of the really cool ways you can motivate kids is by creating items. Um, they love the cards that I build for them and the, that they can use in the game um, to do different things. So, um, you know, everything from uh, one. Of, I've got a, a perk card for every core value of our school, and that allows them to, for example, uh, our value of support um, allows them to bring in their friends to help them answer questions in in the game and that sort of thing. Um, or courage. Um, they can um, have a go at answering a question. If they get it wrong, they can have a go again because they have the courage to ask. But I limit those. So um, that's, that's that's one of the core drivers is scarcity and impatience and uh, a bit of unpredictability, um, which was another core driver. So they don't know when they're going to get those. Um, they are limited. So they have value. Um, they want to get them. Um, so I controlled how those two core drivers were implemented. And I guess... My favorite um, thing that came out of this game that was definitely not designed for, but we ran with it, was the first thing kids say is, sir, can you die in the game? And the best thing about games is, you know, they sort of train you to be resilient because they're hard. So you're going to die and you get to respawn and you get to try again and do different things. And I wanted to try and emulate that. So I said to the to them, yep, yeah, if you go on a mission, there could be dangerous things that could get you. Um, so if you lose all your health, you have to restart. But... If you've got a teammate with you that's got items that can help revive you, cool. So there's that element of risk in there, um, which was good. And I also said, jokingly, uh, there's also the summary execution. So if you do things that you really shouldn't, um, sort of being naughty, essentially, um, you could be excluded from the game. And that was what a summary execution was. And um, it was about halfway through last term, I had jury service. I was explaining to the boys how the relievers um, is going to be in, and he's allowed to give out um, rewards and and XP um, for boys that uh, were really good and things like that. So it's a great behavioral management tool um, for relievers. Uh, But one of the boys said, sir, you should make a trial system in the game. I thought about it, and I said, okay, you go design one for me and we'll incorporate it. So I came up with this. It was three strikes. Uh, One was a warning. Second was a random item was taken from your inventory. And the third one was you had to go stand trial for the three things that you got the strikes for. And he said, you can hire a lawyer <laughs> to defend you. And that as I was the judge, I had to hire a defensive lawyer. And then we would randomly select three boys from uh, the class that would be the jury and they would vote. And I said, okay, so every three or four weeks, we would on a Friday last period, we would have the trial at the end of, um, at the end of the lesson. And amazing to see kids own their behavior um to hear how others would articulate their behavior in the context of how it happened. Um some did, refused a lawyer and just owned up confronted and fronted and owned their behavior. It's just this amazing um sort of mechanic that came out of uh, quite a negative um black hat motivator of loss and avoidance. So I guess I built my game fully on white hat, you know, wanting to push those positivity things. Um, that social influence, the social part of, of games that is really important, really wanted that to be part of it, wanted them to own it. But I carefully and managed quite heavily those um, those black hats. So I think that was quite a long-winded way of saying <laughs> that, but I hope that made sense.
1: Yeah, no, that that makes sense. And, and I really like how, I mean, because you get people that talk about gamification and they say, no, no, that's all external rewards and it's all those black hat mechanics that we don't want in the classroom but you know you've really shown how you can actually leverage some of those black hat as well as the white hat but I think what's really clear and what you just described and and it kind of jumps me almost to the next question that I've set for you but narrative plays such a big role um, in everything you do and when you can build that really positive really big narrative for the students you can bring in those some of those black hat components because you've kind of made the environment safe through that environment. But the next question was related to that. What What do you think is the most powerful game mechanic that you've been able to use in the classroom? And, and maybe, maybe, I don't know what you've planned for this answer, but maybe we can say that isn't narrative. So outside of narrative.
0: Isn't so obviously um, you can tell that the story is, is probably your most powerful tool. Um, I guess um I've got two sort of two sort of things here. The first one is what, what um, I'm a I'm a giant nerd um, as well. So I I do a lot of a lot of my gaming background is not just video games. It's also um, war gaming. so miniature board game that sort of stuff. And um, part of me that found Scott Hebert was um, I found him on some um, war blog, I think. And look what this teacher's doing. He's bringing this sort of stuff into the classroom, and he sets up what he calls the battle board. And the battle board is a representation of his entire world that he's created. And um, I thought that's amazing. And I've got loads of um, my own sort of um, since – I've been collecting since I was seven. So lots of models and terrain and all this sort of stuff. So I thought, oh, I can do this. So um, if you walk into my classroom, you'll see it changed into the fleet and planets. So around my room are – I've got, I think, six battle boards now um instead of desks so on those are the places the boys are exploring as part of the narrative um which gives them that sort of i guess more immersion of it but also the tactile um use of uh, models and things like that as well um not just um you know how some people think about you know it's just incorporating video games um but what i found from that which is really cool is that Within there, they've got to explore those and there's things that they can activate and that lead them to new missions or um, get new rewards and things like that and challenges to overcome. And you start seeing what you um, said um, uh, earlier in the podcast about these levels of engagement and social interaction that you would never see in a classroom unless you did something like this or you sat in on one of their gaming sessions. Complex strategizing. Um, okay, if all three of us do this, we can beat that, um, that boss there. Um, And, oh, you've done this worksheet, I've done this worksheet, let's collate and um, use those to, um, you know, answer the questions that will beat this riddle. Um, You know, it's just ridiculous what suddenly um, changing uh, the sort of dynamic of your classroom into this sort of gamification mode does to what you see the students doing. Um, so, yeah, it's called the it's a Battle Board. If you look up um, any of Scott Hebert's stuff, you'll see it. It's, he's changed his entire classroom into this amazing sort of medieval uh, world. So um, I'm, I'm slowly doing that myself. And, um, yeah, so that's one of the, the really cool game mechanics that I've done. It's a bit of an intense one. Um, but the one that all of us can use is, is the students themselves. Um, as I said, um, when I was talking about some of those black hats, the students came up with half of my my game. Um, I told them right from the beginning that they're they're the first class I've done this with um, and, you know, that they're part of this journey as well and that they have a huge amount of experience in games. And for those that are wanting to do gamification, but maybe aren't gamers themselves, you've got 30 odd gamers in front of you guaranteed it. So what do they know in games? What do they think are cool mechanics? How can you incorporate those? Um, And also, to remember that you're building the game for them. So, if they're buying into it by seeing some of the suggestions become reality, it just makes them own it, um, which is so powerful as well.
1: And that's yeah, that's a good a good place to start is to speak to the kids because all gamification really is is taking those those mechanics or those uh that that design elements of the games and putting them into a non-game context so they're going to have their favorite games they're going to be able to talk about what are the cool parts about that game that they like and it's just a matter of taking those and and pulling them in and creating the educational version of those mechanics um so that's 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 good advice what what else would you what other advice would you have for a teacher wanting to um incorporate aspects of gamification into their teaching practice
0: um I guess uh the first thing is form your own sort of professional learning network of of gamifiers. I I just I, I knew I wouldn't be the only one thinking this so I reached out and I just asked questions to all these people. Um so I'm part of um #gamemyclass on Twitter. Um which is one that Scott Hebert set up. It's it's an amazing resource even if you just, you know, go and look it up every so often and um, you'll see some amazing educators with lots of uh, interesting things, all at different levels of their journey, uh, right from beginners through to you know people that are doing some crazy things in their in their rooms. So definitely go and just ask loads of questions. And of course, if um, you want to ask me anything, I'm more than happy to talk gamification. Can talk gamification forever. Um, but also, I guess if you're thinking of doing the stuff that I'm doing, do what you know because. You want it to be something you're enjoying doing as well, um, you know. So for me, I'm comfortable doing all the miniature wargaming type things with the battle boards. Battlestar Galactica is one of my favorite TV shows. Um, yeah, and then you get the kids to then help you mold that into your game. So you've got something you know quite a bit about as well. It is sort of one of those things that I'd um, I'd really recommend. Um, and yeah, take take it slow. As I said, I did a year years worth of planning, I guess, for this. Um, you know, talking to people, um, you know, checking out things. I mean, I found um, on Netflix uh, early last year. Um, there's a documentary called "The World Peace Game," another fourth grade achievement um, by John Hunter. It's about 40 minutes. Recommend watching that. He's made a game. Um, it's, it, I, I'm not sure if he would call it gamification, but um, it's quite amazing to see how his class um, interacts. So it's just find those little tidbits that you can get inspiration from and then make them your own, I guess.
1: Yeah. And and one one bit of advice that I would add to that as well is, and you kind of you kind of touched on it, but it's you probably need some sort of knowledge and understanding of games. And these days games are available everywhere. There's a lot of there's a lot more people embracing Video games, whether it be you know PC console or even just socially on your iPhone or iPad or tablet or or whatever, it's good to have a bit of knowledge there. And and then I would I would recommend just picking out one aspect from that game that you might be able to take and install into your classroom. For me, when I first started, uh, because I I gamed a lot and I I knew what games I enjoyed, and one thing one game mechanic that was really really visible to me was onboarding and if you're not a gamer when you when you pick up a new game mm. they have to get this um you know they have to get you in a flow state where uh, it's not too easy but it's not too hard so they, they keep you in this state of flow and if you jump into a new game and you can't uh, function within that game then you're not going to play it so they They want you to be able to have some early wins and some successes and learn the game at the start. So they all video games have this onboarding process. And I was really fascinated by that, both from a business perspective and from an educational perspective about how can we bring students into this new environment, a new topic, a new concept um, and have them onboarded into that topic instead of just going, okay. here's lesson one, we're going to make a start and you expose them to all this new content. Well, we can actually go about it a little bit differently and start thinking about introducing uh, little smaller subtopics, um, having a learning opportunity where they're guaranteed a win or some success so that they're stacking these small wins so they're learning the content as they progress. So something as simple as that is just picking out one little thing Uh, related to that game that you can install into your classroom is a really really easy way to start I think
0: yeah massive that's massive advice yeah um yeah that the whole psychology of onboarding is is hugely important and yeah I guess (laughs) you know when the boys see me walk out in a uniform they know something's up and you can't I did everything that you sort of see or hear that me talk about at the moment. it was gradually introduced. Um, I guess that's sort of where that take it slow, um, as you say, little mechanics here and there. Someone will suggest something, Yeah, let's put that in, but at a stage where the boys can handle that as well. Because I guess um, sort of might link to one of your other questions, but um, they've got to learn in, in all of this as well. So that it's that a lot of teachers go, well, where do they do the learning? So, um, yeah, so it's just that gradual um, um yeah, and you, I guarantee all of you have played a board game or, or something, and and that that's where you can nice. start.
1: Before we get to the last question, is there anything I might have missed that you want to mention, or is there anything that you want to ask of me?
0: Um, no, I, uh, have, uh, I guess uh, in terms of your gamification journey, have you thought of uh, sort of going full narrative and full noise like I have? <laughs>
1: Well, we, we kind of, because I'm a physical educator, we, we have some sort of, I would say, pre-built narratives that we use year to year. And, and we have the sport and education model um, that just is like a pre-built narrative, but it's nothing like what you're doing. <laughs> and um, I, I would love to, I, I was thinking when you were describing the exodus and, and what you were doing through that, thinking about how I could build a similar narrative in a physical education or health um, learning environment. And just off the top of my head, I was thinking, like, you know, creating some sort of a a sports team and basing your year around participation in the sports team and engaging with the members of that team and then facing the issues that are thrown at you and seeing how I could link in some of the curriculum in there. That was just... um, off the top of my head, all I could think of while you were speaking, I, I had a, a podcast episode. I think it was episode ten with Andrew O'Neill from Middleton Grange, and he talks about the sport neb model, which I which I mentioned, um, which is where we have this narrative in PE. And what he was doing was, so you have your team and you train and you practice in your team, and and what he does is he will present a card to that team. This is this is more narrative, and that card might say. Uh, your star player went out boozing last night. Um he has been arrested and he is going to be um you know he's got a two game suspension. And so the consequence of that for the team in the next games was they might have to play with four players instead of five. And so it's installing some of that really powerful narrative into what is essentially just a sports game. So yeah. there's different things I could do there and, and and I like some of the stuff you mentioned. It's just a matter of um really just building the narrative and, and, and again, take it to the kids. Like I I could come back and ask the kids and say, Hey, let's build some really powerful narrative this year. What, what do we want our context or our theme to be Mm. as a starting point? And then looking to the curriculum document and saying, well, what can I link in here and what would that look like in this context? Um, So you've, you've posed some, some really good, um, I guess, ideas and questions that as educators, we can be asking ourselves in terms of uh, upskilling and, and changing the way we approach our classroom lessons, because I mean, what you describe is is amazing, and I and I love it, and i i want to um, I want to come and sit in on one of your classes to see exactly what that's like, because I bet you like the, the kids will be learning a lot.
0: <laughs> awesome! No, you're always welcome.
1: <laughs> so this this last question I have, um, and I recall the point when I was first starting out down this path of exposure and putting myself out there, have you always been comfortable? I mean, you've got, you've got these public videos now of you dressed in costume, talking about your Exodus narrative. Um, were you ever at a point where you were just like, what, what am what on earth am I doing here? And this is the potential to be really embarrassing.
0: Um, I, I guess you can probably tell by now with what I'm doing, I'm, I'm that sort of person that will just dive in head first and think about the consequences later. Um, (laughs) I guess when I started, um, I guess putting stuff out on YouTube last year, when I started just exploring the sort of flipped education model, um, and I guess for me, the kids feedback was, was all I really cared about at that point, which was that they loved it. And they loved seeing, seeing, you know, um, a teacher putting the effort into making sort of videos and things like that. And, um, you know, for me. That's the win right there, and I, I don't mind if if people sort of think I'm a bit bit unusual. Um, yeah, I, I guess at the school knows I'm sort of this this giant nerd. I run the the wargaming club, but I'm also in the hall of fame here at St. Pat's as a um, first fifteen member for three years. So I've sort of got, a, I guess, a weird um, status within the school of um, being a quite a sort of interesting teacher, um, but. Yeah, I guess for me, um, the students today that you've got in front of you, that's how they interact. You know, they don't watch TV anymore. Um, So putting yourself out there, doing stuff differently, games are now such a massive part of um, their lives compared to, you know, even me. I'm only 29, Um, you know, sort of I grew up with probably the gaming era um, with my Nintendo 64 as my first console, but... um, you know, it's sort of getting on their level for them. They are the ones that that see the benefit for it. Um, you know, some of my colleagues don't get it. They would never do it. They don't feel comfortable. But I guess it's because they never had that at, that sort of at, uh, when they were at school level of of seeing how that could, you know, you, you interact with them. Um, you walk around a class and, you know, or I'm boarding master. So after school, seeing what boys are watching and things like that. And it's all... Watching their their heroes, I guess you call it, uh, really good gamers, and they watch people playing games, which I still don't quite understand. But um, they they watch these guys playing video games to make themselves better. So how can you know I compete with that? I guess or um, you know engage with them on their level. And for me, I don't mind putting myself out there if that's the end result. Um, yeah, and I guess it's the wow factor as well that if you know. It just gets them. Well, gee, he's pretty serious about this sort of stuff. Look, he's put all these videos up and things like that. So, yeah, I don't think I had kids aren't silly. Kids aren't <laughs> silly.
1: They know a good teacher when a, when a teacher's putting in a massive effort in front of them for their for their lessons and their learning. They appreciate that. And it sounds like um, your kids. And I, I, I also like the way you frame that. How you know it wasn't about. Or you might be embarrassed, or you're a bit worried about what you look like. It was about, hey, I'm here for the kids, and if the kids are going to get uh, some benefit from it. What does it? What does it matter what I look like? And that just says a lot about the quality of teacher you are, mate. Charlie, I just want to thank you for uh, taking the time out to, you know, uh, talk about gamification with me because. Uh, often I find myself I'm the one explaining to other people about gamification, so it's really nice to have um, you know somebody who's operating at a level that you are in terms of implementing this stuff. Um, I think what you're you're doing is, is fascinating and really powerful, and I hope some of our listeners um, get some ideas about what they can be doing to just, you know, build some really powerful narrative in the classroom. Um, so keep doing what you're doing. Um, I'm looking forward to following your progress and, and maybe jumping on board this, uh, this Exodus journey uh, um, of yours that you're, that you're putting out there because it sounds pretty cool, mate.
0: Awesome. No, hey, it's been an absolute pleasure. And as you say, it's nice to talk at a sort of, a different sort of level, I guess, um, you know, I'm in the same boat of, you know, constantly explaining Sort of what gamification is. So um, no, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm always happy to share share my journey, and um, look forward to catching up with you again soon. All
1: right, cheers, mate.